Hello, listeners. It's Jonathan Gillen for KCSU Sports with another edition of our KCSU podcast. And I am joined today by my colleague, Eric Lyons. Eric, how are you? Doing fantastic today, man. How about yourself? Doing well, doing well. And it's, it's 2020, right? So this is kind of in that funky year. And typically right now, we would be enjoying the start of an NHL season, but we're not. No, no, it's not a normal year at all. We're basically in August still right now. We don't even know when the season's going to start, my friends. So and that is part of what we're going to do today. We're going to unpack the NHL offseason from what, we, what we've seen so far. Talk a little bit about the draft little bit about the splashy signings and then we're gonna talk a little bit of what's gonna come forth in the new season and here in Colorado it's looking good looking good for those avalanche fans out there so lots to talk about there you go there you go if you're a Colorado avalanche fans we bring good news let's dive right in Eric is our hockey guy he knows all things hockey let's find out what he knows Eric let's start with We had a pretty uneventful NHL draft, wouldn't you say? Yeah, pretty uneventful. The main thing of note that happened with the draft was that the New York Rangers got the first overall pick thanks to the way they set the lottery up this year, which I know a lot of people in Detroit are pretty upset with because Detroit had about the worst historical year uh, in the salary cap era, and they're left picking fourth overall. Uh, (laughs) So not really great for uh, those Red Wings fans. And uh, the Rangers, of course, got to draft. Alexis Lafreniere with the first overall pick, and he's projected to be a complete stud. Pretty much a game changer for the Rangers there. The Avs didn't pick until 25th. They selected another defenseman to stockpile what we already have on the back end with Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram coming up. And now we have Justin Barron out of the QMJHL who has a uh, blood clot surgery he's working through, but uh, was projected as the 16th overall skater uh, by North American uh, scouting, and we got him at 25th. Pretty solid pickup, strengthens a strength that we already have, but outside of that, nothing too crazy going on in the draft. Yeah, it it didn't seem like, it, I don't know, it just didn't feel like there was too many splashy players in this draft. That really no, no, not like a year with Connor McDavid or something like that. You're not going to get that kind of top-end talent in this draft. Quentin Byfeld at number two is a solid player, but uh, yeah, not not one of those crazy draft years that we've seen before. Um, there was a goalie picked in the first round, which is not something you see very often. Uh, the Nashville Predators picked up a, a Russian goalkeeper uh, with the 11th overall pick, Yaroslav Askarov, who projects to be the best goaltending prospect since Carey Price in 2006, which is a pretty high praise. Uh- <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds like uh, some really high praise. And just to go into that a little bit, I, it doesn't mean that players won't develop into something special. It's just we're not having a lot of uh, splashy projections for this draft. That's no, all. we're not getting those those splashy projections. And in the NHL, different maybe than the NFL or some other drafts, There's you're not going to hit on every first-round pick. Not that you do in the NFL or anything either, but it's just kind of hard to project talent in the NHL. Uh, in some drafts, you get a Connor McDavid, you get a Sidney Crosby, you get a John Tavares, you get... Austin Matthews in recent years, like you get guys that you know are going to be superstars right away. And Lafreniere maybe has the chops for that. But after him, it's, we're just looking at maybe solid, you know, middle of the lineup type players. Uh, maybe not the huge game changers that we would expect to see. Well, we'll have to follow along these players from this draft class and see how they developed. Let's move forward and talk about free agency. 
Free agency was, I feel like it was pretty eventful. It, it didn't get, of course, as much coverage this year because of 2020, but there was a lot of action going on. Tell, tell us about some of the splashy free agent signings. Yeah, lots of uh, lots going on in the free agent market there. Um, there was, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good talent out there this year, especially in the in the goaltending market. Uh, I'm always drawn to because that's what I played when I played growing up. It was a goalie, and you don't usually see a lot of movement because uh, the goalie market is so fickle and uh, and hard to hard to project and understand. But this year. Uh, was just absolutely crazy with lots of multiple cup-winning goalies switching teams and and going to new locations. Uh, so that was the big focus for me. What were what were some of those goaltending names that switched over? So uh, for recent Stanley Cup winners, there was a bunch of movement. Braden Holtby, who uh, won the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals, you might remember a couple years ago, a uh, longtime goaltender for the Capitals, uh, he got. Uh, new contract in Vancouver, switching to the West Coast there, uh, and he's going to be their goalie there because their Vesna caliber goaltender Jacob Markstrom moved in division to Calgary and signed a massive six-year, like thirty-six million dollar contract, which is big money for that guy. He's already like thirty-one, um, so Holtby moved. That was a big one. Corey Crawford, two-time Cup winner from Chicago, moved to the New Jersey Devils. Great pickup by the Devils. I think this Devils team might surprise some people this year. They have a lot of young talent, and that solidifies the goaltending position with Mackenzie Blackwood. Solid one-two there. And then for my neck of the woods is a is the son of a steel man from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's recent two-time Stanley Cup winning goaltender Matt Murray signed with the Ottawa Senators for pretty big term, pretty big money. Happy for him. He's getting paid. He deserves it. But just lots of movement. And then, of course, Henrik Lundqvist, the king himself, has left New York and gone to the Capitals to team up with Ovechkin, chasing that one cup. Yeah, some really, really big moves for goaltenders. And just so anyone is interested in hearing more details about this, Eric Lyons has an article up on KCSUFM.com about these goaltenders, and and it breaks it down in detail. Uh, Moving on, we just talked about goaltending, and I think arguably a point that many of us have said in the sports world for the Avalanche is they need to improve on goaltending. Do you agree to that? Yeah, I, I think so. If you look at the numbers from last year, uh, Grubauer and Francois were actually fantastic statistically, but they got hurt in the playoffs. And for Grubauer, this is a trend. We've seen this happen multiple years in a row. Maybe he can't handle that sort of workload. And Francois, while uh, you know he's an older player, he's, I believe, 30. Um He's, he's young in the NHL. He's been playing uh, overseas in Russia for a long time, so he's still an unknown commodity. Uh, and we're just rolling with those two again. We lost uh, our third-string goaltender. Uh, you might remember Michael Hutchinson from the playoffs, uh, who I referred to as Michael Clutchinson for the few games that he won. He's re-signed with Toronto, uh, so he's out of the mix, and we didn't bring anybody else in. So I am a little bit worried. Condensed season, lots of games that are going to be played back-to-back. You're really going to need two, maybe three solid goaltenders to get you through the through the season, and I don't know that the Avalanche have that. Do you have any theories on why they didn't address this issue through free agency or the draft? You know, with the draft, it's hard because there's not usually that goaltender you're going to be able to plug and play right away. It's rare that you see a young goaltender come in and make a difference right away. Nashville may have that guy, but there wasn't a lot of that out there this year. As far as free agency, I'm really surprised they didn't make a move. Holtby signed a pretty team-friendly contract in Vancouver, just two years. 
Uh, he's a solid cup-winning guy, great presence in the locker room, played with Grubauer in Washington. That's where we got Grubauer from. That would have been a great pickup, I think. Uh, but you just got to feel that Sackick uh, has faith in his guys and uh, didn't want to spend the money, I guess. You know, there's some contracts coming up they're going to have to address with Landeskog in particular and Makar. Uh, so maybe they're just not wanting to spend money where they don't think they need to, but I think that they probably should have done something. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I, I felt like with Grubar, he he didn't have a median. Like, he was either really on or he was really off. We all loved him for those those amazing games oh, that he fantastic had. fantastic when he's fantastic. on. But then he would just flip the switch and would be awful. And I feel like if we could have someone that with more consistency bring in, someone that can, you know, play the middle. Like, we just need someone to you know, have those games to make up for Grubar or if not take over and, and be consistent with the goaltending. Cause I, I think that's the biggest thing is we didn't have consistent goaltending and it all happened with Grubar's mood swings. I don't, I mean, that really yeah. hit us in the regular season and his injury problems. Again, that yep. Francis stepped in and took on more of a workload than I think anybody expected and did a great job. But again, that's small sample size. We just don't know. I agree with you hundred percent. I feel like we should have brought in some stability, somebody we know that can step in and play well. Um, like I said, Holtby always comes to mind, but there were other guys that went other places. Cam Talbot signed in Minnesota. Uh, reasonable backups that you could bring in for not much money, and I feel like that would have been a good investment, uh, especially given the condensed schedule. And it was one of the deepest free agencies for goaltending, wouldn't it? Oh, it was, it was crazy. You never see movement like this in the goaltending market, especially with so many cup winners switching places. Lots of young guys starting to take over uh, different jobs. Uh, Ilya Samsonov in uh, in Washington is projected to be the number one guy with with Lundqvist backing up, and Shesterkin, and another young guy in New York, supplanting Lundqvist. Um, just seems like there's a lot of goaltending talent out there, and maybe the Avs missed out. And you look at the teams that went to the Cup last year. Uh, Tampa Bay has Vasilevsky, who's about the best in the game, and Dallas. When their starter Bishop got hurt, they had a backup who carried them all the way. To within two or three games of the cup, you know? So you just got to worry that maybe that's something that they should have addressed this offseason. Yeah, and uh, that's one thing that we're going to look at, Joe Sackick, if we start having those goaltending issues towards midseason or maybe into the playoffs, we're going to be like, well, you had this great opportunity last offseason. And, you know, I, I feel like the salary cap is is kind of an excuse sometimes because you can move and, and manipulate salary to to project to what you want. Yeah, if we're going to have someone re-sign in, in a year or so, you can move or tr- or actively try to trade someone to clear that up. They could have easily signed one of these goaltenders. They didn't have to go out and go get the maybe the most expensive one, but there were several of them, I think, that it came in and probably would have been an upgrade or a nice complimentary piece to Grubar. But we didn't do that, and we're going to look at that. We're going to really look at Joe Sackick hard in this season, and that kind of brings to my next question. The uh, Avalanche have made the playoffs, what, three straight seasons now. So after this offseason, do you think they're better or worse? And do you think they'll improve this year? You know, I got to say, outside of the goaltending issue, I really like what the Avalanche have done this offseason. I think that uh, acquiring Brandon Saad from Chicago was a huge move. Uh, He's not as flashy as he once was when he was there in his younger days in Chicago, but he's still a solid top six forward. Uh, plays with some grit. He's a bigger guy. He has that cup-winning experience with Chicago. Uh, and you look at what we got with Kadri last year, I, I see it as being a similar pickup. 
Um, I think the kid is going to do do great things. And we we gave up uh, Zadorov for that one, which is a bummer. I'm a Zadorov guy. I like the hits and the intensity he brings. Um, but you know, he was in need of a contract, and I don't think it's a big loss for us. Um, and we replaced him on the defensive end with a guy out of New York, out of the Islanders, named Devon Taves, who uh, underrated guy. You probably you hear the name Taves, you think Jonathan Taves in Chicago. Well, this guy, he's younger. He's uh, just a solid, smooth skating defenseman. He's going to put up a couple points for you. He's going to log big minutes. Uh, he was, I, I read some Islanders blogs uh, over this offseason that were just so upset that they lost this guy. So I think that was a great value play by Sakic. We signed him for four years at a reasonable hit, and I think that that strengthened our defense just immensely. Do you think one other maybe criticism of the defense is there hasn't been a person that has really stepped into the role of a true enforcer on the defense? Yeah, I, I think that I think so. You look at Zadorov played that role a little bit and he would lay out the big hits, but he's not really the you know, the snarling guy that we're used to with maybe like a like Foot or, or Blake or those guys from back in the day. And you don't see as many of those guys in the league anymore just because of the way the league is changing. But it's it's still nice to have a guy like that. And we still do have Ian Cole, who, uh, again, from from my Pittsburgh love, he he won a couple cups in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's he can he can step up, lay the hits. He can fight if you need him to. Uh, and Eric Johnson, sort of the same. He's battled his injury issues. But you do have to wonder if the Avs could use a little bit more of that sort of sandpaper, sort of that uh, that heavy hitting defense. And and losing Zadorov is going to hurt on that. I know they're looking at Graves to step up. Uh, he had a fantastic season but he's a big guy too and i think they're going to look for him to to up his physical game but depending how the season goes early i think you could look to see them maybe make a move for a veteran with uh with some tough presence there on the back end yeah i really think that was a a big another criticism i had i think of the defense is people don't realize i think when you're a hockey fan there's one position i think that's a little underrated and that's the defenders because obviously they have their their obvious position that we all know about but they actually play, I think, a really good role in getting a hockey team back in the game. When you're down by a couple scores, if you have a tough defender or an enforcer-type defender, they can really swing the momentum for you and get you back in the game. And I felt like we didn't really have a tone setter on defense that could really get us back into the game. And I think that's another thing that might come back to bite us in the, in the season. I think it very well could. And that's when I look at giving up Sadorov for Saad, I like it from a hockey standpoint, but you are missing the biggest hit, you know, maker on our, our, our defense. You know, Zadorov's massive and you just lay people out and you got to look at other guys to step up on that. Um, our defense isn't really geared towards that necessarily. We're loaded with really skilled little guys but even McCarr can throw his body around. He laid some people out in the playoffs. So, you know, I hope we see some more energy is what I'm saying. I, I love the skilled defensive players, but Zadorov, he, I think he would get us back into get some games sometimes because of that physicality. Yeah. And, and it's good to have, I think, uh, elite skills kind of like McCarr does. But I hope McCarr can really make a transition to really put on that defender heat. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for. I, I hope to see that too. I think that we're going to have to see a lot of guys step up to fill that void. And I think Sackick's been pretty open about expecting that uh, from the team. And you got to look to some of the guys on offense too, hoping to, to step up. I mean, we have some snarl. Landy's, uh, he'll get into it. You know, you don't necessarily want your captain doing that. But then again, you love seeing your captain going out. Uh, you know, McKinnon dropping the gloves uh, in the playoffs. You got to love to see that. 
uh, just as long as he stays healthy while he's doing it. But, uh, you know, hopefully just as a team, hopefully everybody steps up. Uh, and I think, I think the intensity will be there. Uh, this is a big year for this team. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about this year a little bit. Let's zoom out a little bit. Let's start breaking down maybe what we're going to see in this upcoming season. Uh, who do you have winning the Central Division or the the top dogs of the division for next season? I think you got to look at the Avalanche as the favorites right now. I think that's what you're seeing um, kind of across the board with Vegas odds and just in general what people are saying. Um, you know, I probably have maybe Tampa Bay at the top still because of the winners. They haven't really lost too many people. That team is stacked. But after that, uh, you got to look at the Avalanche. I mean, if the goaltending can hold and we get the type of goaltending we got, for most of last year, if we get that in the playoffs, there's no reason this team shouldn't be at the top. Because uh, I think this division as a whole got weaker in the offseason. Uh, Chicago has admitted that they're in a rebuild situation. Uh, they angered their their best players by trading away. You know, they trade away Brandon Saad to us. Their goalie leaves uh, in free agency. Uh, St. Louis, who's sort of been the class of the division, they lost Alex Petrangelo to off uh, to free agency this offseason. He's in Vegas now, and that's a huge void. He's been their captain. Uh, just a real solid guy on the back end. They brought in Tory Krug from Boston. Who's going to help? But, I mean, you know, you, you can't replace a captain like that. And I think that's hurt that team. And then you look at Dallas. Uh, can they keep up what they were doing in the playoffs this year? I don't know that they can. They kind of overachieved. Well, you kind of just touched on uh, on my next thoughts a little bit. You... you mentioned Tampa Bay and Dallas then who do you think has the best chance to repeat I I think Tampa Bay honestly um granted Dallas maybe with the rest of the the central being a little bit weaker but they'll have to go through Colorado um and if we have goalies I don't see them doing it uh you got to go through Vegas figures to be strong they lost a couple guys but they get Petrangelo they have Leonard and Flurry and Net I mean they're pretty stacked out west and out east you know, I just don't know who's going to really step up. You know, can Boston keep doing what they've been doing? They're getting older. Uh, Chara isn't even signed yet. Who knows what they're going to do? Toronto can never put it together in the playoffs. Uh, I think that's just something you can bank on uh, happening. Pittsburgh is old. I, I really don't like what Pittsburgh did this offseason. Uh, they have questions in goal. I don't know that they're going to be there. Uh, so you got to feel like Tampa Bay is still the class, definitely in the East for sure, but I think overall in the league. Dallas, is, they're, they're old. Uh, you, you just don't know if the offense is going to do what it was able to do. Uh, in the playoffs, they kind of, like I said, overachieved what they've been for a while. So I don't, I don't see them going back to the Cup. I could, I could see Tampa repeating as champions. Well, that's very interesting information there, Eric. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Tampa. It's it's weird how for me like Tampa never been a really perennial like hockey team and their climb to to greatness just happened it feels like overnight. I don't I'm not sure what happened. I just growing up I never really looked at Tampa as like this amazing team. No, you don't and you don't think of it. They're down in Florida, you know, you're not really thinking of your your NHL you know, franchise, but they've been very good the last couple of years. They've lost in the Eastern Conference Finals a few times. Some heartbreak to Pittsburgh, um, and that they've been they've been very close for a few years. They just couldn't quite get over it, and this year they did. Uh, for my money, if I want to build a team around a goaltender right now, I'm picking Andre Vasilevsky from Tampa Bay. Every that kid is unreal, 
And hearing the way other NHLers talk about him, uh, they can't say enough good things. So I think they're just solid there. Victor Hedman is a you know Norris Trophy winner. Stamkos is out there. Kucherov, they're they're pretty loaded. Uh, they they've lost a little bit of talent to this uh, this off season, but they're they're still right there. Nice. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming season's date. They haven't really announced an official date. Tentatively, they're saying mid January. What do you think is stopping the official date of the season? You know, it's it's tough to say, and and you can look at the NBA for for a similar you know situation. Um, the one thing the NBA really has going for it versus the NHL, um, and as is always the case, is just the TV money. Uh, the NBA brings in so much more money from their TV deal that they're able to allocate to their teams to make sure everybody's getting paid and everybody's making the money they need. The NHL is really going to hurt not having fans, and so I think that. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're on the last year of their TV deal with uh, NBC, and it's only a $200 million deal. So there's not, you know, you got 31 teams. You try to spread that money around, you're not really going to get that far. So uh, I think there's just a lot in limbo with that and trying to iron things out and make sure uh, they can even do a safe season this year. I know that there's been preliminary talks about temporary realignment or perhaps hub cities. Uh, it's a play. There's talk of an all-Canadian division, uh, which just seems like a ploy to get a Canadian team into the Stanley Cup, if you're asking me. I don't like it one bit. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of question marks that will be answered in just a couple months here. Yeah, and maybe it... I like the, some of the stuff you touched on. Uh, it, it feels like hockey viewership's been on the rise right, lately. NHL hockey, especially playoff hockey, is really, I think, one of the cream of the crop when it comes to playoff sports. I, I think, in my opinion, my humble opinion, I'd put NFL football playoffs and then hockey right underneath it, but close underneath it. They're really fun to watch. Um, but, you know, with 2020 and COVID restrictions, that's probably a thing. They're probably trying to lock up some kind of TV deal, trying to iron out all the edges on there, and maybe they're secretly hoping that the restrictions will go down by January at the same time. Yeah, or, or some sort of vaccine or something comes along that maybe helps out. It's hard to say, and you look at the NFL right now, I mean, the Steelers just had a bunch of people, Roethlisberger testing positive, and you see these outbreaks happening within teams. And when they did the playoffs in the bubble, they were able to, to stay away from that and really put on a good good product i was impressed with how they handled the bubbles in the playoffs um they have the luxury of having some big canadian cities that can help where the numbers are a bit lower there's just some less people and whatnot so i think there's a lot to be considered there um and with how many canadian teams there are in the sort of travel restrictions that's got to play into it too you got to think so yeah i was just thinking too the nfl just has a lot more money so they can do a lot more testing the nhl probably is coming up with a really solid plan because they don't have the luxury of the NFL to just, oh, they can reschedule at any moment's notice because they're the NFL. They can test it all at all whenever they want because they have a ton of resources. So, well, those are all important thoughts to be considered for this upcoming season. I'd like to thank, of course, my colleague Eric Lyons for coming in and informing us about this hockey offseason and the upcoming season. And, yeah, I'll just edit that out. Nice. And <laughs> trying to think of what my closing thought was, would be. Well, and if you enjoyed this and more content, we, of course, at KCSU make the pledge to cover all things sports. That includes hockey, football, college football, 
the NBA, volleyball, baseball, volleyball, baseball. It's all there. And if you'd like more information for that, you can find more information at kcsufm.com. If you like this podcast, give us a subscribe. It'll also be found on your podcasting app and, of course, Spotify. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time.